You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 11 of After the Show. Um, hello, Sid Talk. Hello, A Scully. <laughs> Uh, we're going to be looking For some at... reason, I gave you the uh, live yeah. long and prosper sign there. I have no idea why. You came over on Klingon or <laughs> I something. Did. Klingons don't... Oh, or Vulcan. God. Do you not... Oh, never mind. Okay. No, I'm not a Star Trek fan. <laughs> Me either. That's what's so weird. <laughs> okay. So we're this week, we're going to be taking a look at an extra special movie. To me, anyway. Don't know about to you. Um, which is Paul Thomas Anderson's There Will Be Blood. If it's special to you, honey, it's special to me. And its year of release is 2007. It's out on DVD on Tuesday, April the 8th. So this is a kind of sneak preview look at the movie. And it's available on DVD only on that date. There's a two-disc version and a single-disc version with no extras. Wow, those Paramount people. They're really with the times. They need to get it together, <laughs> don't they, and get those Blu-ray discs coming. Um that's Paramount, as you just mentioned. And let's start with the synopsis. Synopsis. I've been thinking about this since we watched it. I don't read off of boxes and stuff like that, so I'm going to come up with my own. I could give and, you But that. this one, I don't want the one off the box, because somebody <laughs> else decided what it was. For me, it is a man who has uh, something in his past... Right, so he's got a tormented mind. He's driven to do something in his life, and what he ends up doing is becoming an oil man, prospector. oil, uh, not just a prospector. He actually becomes driller, prospector, driller, the whole right? Thing. And you know, oil man, exactly how he and says. And through all that, you know, you're you have to always remember he's tormented by something. He's driven. He's got like the mad craziness in him, but holds it together enough to forge ahead and do. What you would think, amazing things, industrial things, and moving the industry ahead kind of thing. But he's always got issues, and it's about sort of his rise and, of course, ultimate fall. Yeah, and also it touches on greed and that time, how things were, like how... Yeah. When you stake a claim, it's kind of yours. Those are kind of peripheral things, I felt like. I mean, the heart of it was a man who could have stumbled on any other thing in life. And because of whatever was driving him, that torment, because you never find out about the past, really. Something's driving him really hard to, like, start as just... Well, we're, we're, we're moving ahead of ourselves here. I'm out of the synopsis mode and into the movie mode. <laughs> yeah, well, synopsis, we've already synopsis said. Synopsis is a man... I mean, it's a of, story... It's set in 18... Late 18... Well, 1898 It's a big span, actually, yeah. 1927. Yeah. So, so late the 19th century. Of the oil. Late 19th century. The height, more like the beginning, really, I think. Well, the height. The beginning through the height. Because I'd say near the end, it's all... I don't think we've reached the height yet, have we? You mean now in 2008? Yeah. We we reached the height of oils. <laughs> oils sorted now. We oh, you're talking about like the for, okay forging the for, industry, the, making yeah. the industry. That's what you're saying. Yeah. So it's it, and it covers quite a span of time, and that's what it is. It's the story of a a man's journey. Well, a man's journey through, yeah. through the whole thing. Um, so let's get on to the movie. Okay. 
So the movie <laughs> is the same. Is the same. That's it. That was it, pretty much. Goodbye. No. Yeah. <laughs> See you next week. Thank you all for coming. <laughs> no, the movie, of course, has loads of other stuff. Not just a man moving ahead. It's like, um, it's obviously based on a movie. I mean, a book by Upton Sinclair. Correct. And the novel was from 1927. I think that it's, it it's fair oil. to say that it's uh, loosely based on that. Yeah, the so elements are from it, but the the actual story itself isn't told from the same perspective. Uh, the book is from the son's perspective, and the movie is entirely from the the man's perspective. His name's Daniel Plainview. Daniel Day Lewis plays Daniel Pla- Plainview, which was lucky because yeah, they didn't have to change <laughs> when, they, when they shouted Daniel over here. He was all right. Yeah, well, he's one of those method guys. Remember, yeah. he likes to stay in character. Whether he's doing a scene or not, so that worked out perfect for him. So, but the movie takes you starts out right where he's digging a hole with a pickaxe on his own. Yeah, that's how driven he is. That is, you know, you get the get the idea very quickly because he is. It's like he is driven, and I'm going to use that word a lot because that's what it is. He's not driven to wealth, and he's not driven to fame, and he's not driven to money, and he's not driven to success, really. There's something else in him because he's digging this hole with a pickaxe, right? And this is not a spoiler or anything. It's just one of those things that happens in the movie. At some point, he falls. He discovers some gold, right, in this mine. So he's starting out with the gold mining thing. And then, you know, as the movie, obviously, he moves into investing in oil rigging and stuff. He falls down in the well, hole. Breaks his leg, I guess you're assuming, because he has to drag himself out. And then drug himself across the plains or the hills or whatever and then the next thing you see is him laying on the floor of the gold office where they're giving him his money. So there's something in this man you learn immediately. And he's alone. You know, he's sort of solitary. And that's his main focus is just move ahead. And you kind of start thinking he's going for, he's wanting to make loads of money. But it unravels through the movie. That's, in my mind, the way I see him, that was not his goal at all. It never even... No, I'm, you know, I, I don't think it was money. Wealth wasn't his issue. I um, think it was, like he says, I think there's one thing he says in the movie where he there's something in him, he says, that there's he has to... There's a competition inside Competition me. inside of me that I have to... Nobody I want else, no one else to succeed. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's I know, the, you and I have a thing. I can remember the lines specifically. But that but that <laughs> whole, that's that encapsulates the whole thing. Exactly. The whole character, really. And he hates people. And he hates... He doesn't you know see it, good in people. You know what it put me in mind of <laughs> in a really weird way? Agent Smith from Mate from the Matrix, and I, I know that's weird. But when he sits down with Lawrence Fish, no. yeah, where he says he smells this, yeah, it's the like scum he's disgusted by the human, humanity. yeah, and how it is. And you, I got that feeling in that little speech thing that he did with this guy in the movie, you know, Daniel Day Lewis, that he's just sort of uh, disgusted with people and their games and their the way humans are and you know that's what i'm talking about we don't know his past you get very very tiny glimpses of him having little moments of emotional breakdown for, and you know it comes from somewhere but you don't know what it is so i feel like he's got that the stench of all this life and ugh, is on and he's me also... the only thing i can do to get rid of it is just forge ahead drive ahead and work myself to death basically and um then it never will go away really but and he's also slightly unhinged all the time, but it, he kind of hides it from people to exactly. to be a snake oil salesman almost. Exactly, he's trying to sell himself, like, and he's 
got his son with him to to make make, make it easier to sell his what he's I'm trying to sell. I'm a family man. This is a family business. And he's got the well, son. Yeah, and like I, I'm a family man. I can sell. I'm better than all the other people who can do this. You should hire me. I stand for everything. But then when it comes to there's a lot of issues of religion in the movie. Mm-hmm. He doesn't give a shit about religion. Oh no, he, he would. He he won't even fall in with religion to fit in with the other people. He's he, he thinks it's yeah. Stupid. But the thing is, I also thought you know he's got his nemesis in the movie. We'll call him. It's not really, but it's like this sort of fanatical um, religion. A, a, religion guy who assumes he himself to be a prophet, and he leads the church there. And he's like a young guy, and he's one of those healers, and really. Uh, you know, you feel like he's a crazy nutbag, right? Because everything he says is... It's, you just have to see that element of the guy who does that part. And the that is, the um, faith healer type. He's yes. A, where they put the hands on you and say, I will Now that's snake oil salesman right there. Yeah, so they're exactly. the same. The they're same. both driven. There's something in them that's driving both of these men, and they're completely different. And that's the idea of the yeah, whole story. The, the yin and yang there, but it, they're the same. It's really a... I think it's a really interesting story. I'd like to read the book. To find out if there's that much dynamic there going on. I don't even think the book... From what I read there, it says the book is very, very loosely. Um, mm. So the book might not even have any character development like that. It might right. be more of a... But we haven't... Even to me, it, it just gave gave me, like, even more clued me into that these... There are people... I mean, we all have troubles. We all have tra- tragedies. We all have issues and all that kind of stuff, right? But there are certain people, certain humans... Who are inside, they just fall through the cracks. There's something, like you said, unhinged, a little bit loose in there. Something's going on that they might end up being a a Donald Trump kind of guy who forges in the world and becomes a bazillionaire and he looks all normal and right. But there's something about that person underneath that's not social, that doesn't socialize well, he doesn't fit in well. I don't know exactly what I'm saying, but... But (laughs) And then the idea is... These two characters are it, you know. But that's how this Daniel Plainview comes across all the time. It doesn't come across crazy all the time. He's, no, he's no, but you feel from... the tension. You're waiting. Yeah, well, you know he's going to explode second. at some point. I was but, doing this But then there's times really? where you know he never is going to explode because he's in a room full of people and he's being charming. He's quite charming, isn't he? He comes across as charming to all the villagers, all the people who live there. Because he has a motive. He's motivated. Yeah, exactly. He it's wants for to... his own good. Right. If If... Well... Put it this way: he got the where he, he's drilling for the oil is a village full of people who already live there. So yet, the only reason he's friendly with them, really, I think he wouldn't be otherwise, was just to keep the money. Get his the side. rights to the land. Yeah, totally. let's give some money to the church there. Let's. I will. He he promises things. He says what people want to hear. He gets he, people will ask him a question, and he turns around by asking them a question to find more out about them, and then he kind of. He doesn't kiss their ass, but I mean, he plays them. You know, that's his thing because he hates everybody. Like, and he, it's kind of clear. He doesn't care what he says to them. He doesn't care what their expectations are. You know what I mean? He just is going to plow ahead and do his own. He wants the end goal is all he cares about. So while we're on the movie, what did you think of it as a movie? I loved it. My heart was pounding. I was tense a lot of the time. I thought it looked amazing. It was on DVD, and I will say, on the record, I don't normally even care, but after we've watched a few Blu-ray discs, <laughs> I have to admit. <laughs> DVD doesn't look as good. 
You know what? In this movie, I don't know that it really mattered because we're going on, you know, a time, a period piece and everything. So that was fine. But I actually did notice the difference in the sound and in the movie, the the visual qualities. What do you call it? The visual look of the movie. Yeah, there's, there's <laughs> In one definitely. particular scene where there's like an old rattly car driving toward like the camera out on like this desert with like little bushes and stuff everywhere. And it was quite far away, and I, you know it's driving towards on this dirt road, and that's when I actually dawned on me that car looks all like kind of weird, and it's because it's, it's no uh, details low there, detail, yeah. yeah. And that, that's when I was like, oh crap, I'm gonna have to admit, I'm, I don't I'm, have to, but I am. And we're not saying that the DVD is terrible looking because oh, no, if no. you're watching, we're watching this on a hundred inch screen, right, as well, which can add to that. Hundred and four. Yeah, so if you're watching it on television, you will never notice. Yeah, true, It'll just true. look like anybody, any true. other DVD. I mean, we are watching... It's nine and we minutes. are very, getting used to watching high definition, so... Yeah. I, when this comes on high definition, I would replace it immediately. Yeah, and I'm not saying it's bad transfer and nothing like that. It's just that I'm no, used to... It's actually a good transfer, because... There's nothing wrong with it. There's no pixels. Another star of this movie is the actual oil itself. I agree. And the scenes with the oil, <clears throat> which are very black... And grimy. Oh yeah, come through really that. nicely. Like, I mean, you know, the scene with the buckets of oil when they first strike it, and the buckets yep. are coming up. Just the buckets coming up with the rich. You just feel it, don't you? you yes. Feel it. So, yeah. So I think we're off tangent a bit here, but the DVD actually did pay it justice. But yeah, there were some scenes where you were like, yeah. ah, "That's not quite as yeah. sharp as I've seen." Exactly. Before. Yeah. And I felt like, but I thought, you know. So myself. Paramount, we just want the Blu-ray release, please. <laughs> um, and I'll, while we're on, just off topic a little bit, I just also want to mention that when we get DVDs from for review, this one came in a nice uh, box. None of these people out here are going to get this nice box, but. <laughs> Oh, we so will. just rub it in. Just <laughs> we'll, tell them and make them feel really bad. We will just, uh, I'm just want to say how nice it was because inside this box we got the novel. Yeah. And we also got a milkshake glass, a nice chrome, what do you call that? Chrome handled, mm-hmm. where, where this glass slides in the. I don't know what they're called. It's like an old fashioned soda. Old fashioned kind of milk. And on, on, the, um, on the glass, engraved on the glass, it says. Yes. You know, you look at the quotes. Yeah. Oh no, I'm. You're gonna give this one. You okay. love that mug. It, on the on the back of the mil- well, on the front of the milkshake glass, it says there will be blood, and on the back of the milkshake glass, it says, "I drank your milkshake. I drank it up." Right. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't say. Uh, thought it was one of those musical. But yeah, it was co- it was cool and a nice cool little box that they yeah. put together. But unfortunately, that isn't available. To <laughs> it's the not public. for sale. It's not on eBay. Know that. <laughs> It's on our shelf downstairs. It's just a little kick in your leg there to you people who don't have it. That's very lovely. Yeah. So us privileged ones. On with the movie. Focus, focus. Movie, for me, amazing. Really was. It looked amazing. The scenes with the... Amazing. The authenticity and like, we'll get on to the extras. In the extras you get to see, you know, pictures and stuff that he used for reference. Paul Thomas Anderson, that is. And I actually felt like, you know, I've seen tons of old pictures and stuff in my life and... I felt like there was a lot of effort made to make the clothes and the sets and the machinery, everything look and it really has, authentic. It has Paul Thomas Anderson's stamp all over it. Do you think? Yeah, The I music, do. definitely. Well, the, mu- the music in this movie is not by his normal guy, John Bryan, who does all the music for Paul Thomas Anderson's movie. This is actually by Johnny Greenwood from Radiohead. Um, but yeah, it is in the same vein as... Um, 
kind of troubled and yep. a little bit of that tortured sound it makes, in it. It makes, it makes of, you feel on edge. Yes, exactly. Because it's kind of mental. It's like... Yes. That is not an exaggeration. No, and lots of violent... Rattling. Lots of rattling, like... Like during building things up. <laughs> and the whole beginning, the opening scene, which is 20 minutes before anybody says anything. Is I it? actually, yeah, it's actually 20 minutes long before somebody speaks, right? You read that somewhere. No, I know that because I looked on the clock. That's why I turned around. Now, to me, that's. I like um, interesting openings to movies. And that opening. What genius. Huh? What genius. Is that what you're going to say? What? It was genius. No, it, it was... Oh. <laughs> uh, well, after I explain the open, the, like you said before, it starts with Daniel Day-Lewis down in the a hole in mm. the ground that he's dug himself, looking for something, either gold or oil. One of the two. Well, oil, I guess. And he's down there and he hurts himself and he crawls and then, then he gets his men... When he's figured out there is something there, he comes back with all his men and they build a thing and they're all down there and blah, blah, blah. It... It's quite oh a long... yeah, I didn't realize. I didn't wasn't even thinking that people. Nobody were talking. speaks during that scene it, with the baby and the thing and none of that. Right. It's just all just looking at each other and doing the job, like. But it's just it's a real good build up to when it's you know. I agree. To well, after the big twenty minute scene of, and that twenty minute scene is filled with this Johnny Greenwood's music. It does bring it to life, I think. And then it cuts further into the future. Then doesn't it. Mm-hmm. When he's on the train with the baby, yeah. and then, then the baby's a little boy. And then there's talking. But yeah, you're right, and it's never... But it's a nice mm-hmm. opening. I I really liked it. It felt unique. I don't know. But yeah, I think Thomas Paul Thomas Anderson was all over it. Shots of... See, I've watched... I pay attention to I know, to one stuff. thing you're going to say is watching people walk from behind. Yeah. Because I... You don't I, need I, to see the faces, you just... And the walking. You're with them. And walking toward the camera, walking away from the camera, like a punch drunk love, the and, long corridors of walking, and, and, and I think it's really... You know the scene that you were talking about with the car, mm-hmm. and the, the camera's on a steady cam and it goes and it goes behind a house, and then carries on going. Right. But the car comes out, yeah, all that stuff's been done in his other movies. It, it's just, he has a very deliberate... And where the person in the foreground actually gets in the way of the camera sometimes. Yeah, on... Um, not on purpose, I don't even think. I think it happens like, in the movement. And then when they're editing, he's like, no, I like it. I like that. That's good. And, and that then, does happen. Like, somebody's hat's right in the way of somebody's face. And you're thinking, wow, that's you. I, I find myself, like, leaning my head. I think like it makes I'm you feel look. like you're in there more. Yeah. Like, because in real life, things do get in the way. And and there are a couple times when, like, oil spurted on the camera. Really good. The camera got banged once, I noticed, in one of those heavy-duty action kind of scenes. And in Punch Drunk Love, there's a lot of... Uh, if you've seen the movie Punch Drunk Love, there's a lot of weird... Where the light hits the camera, and you know where beams shaft out mm-hmm. to the sides. Well, it happens a lot in this movie too. Now, like this on isn't, Torchwood. On this Torchwood, isn't down to Paul Thomas Anderson. It's down to this um, cinematographer. It must be because he's done all of Paul Thomas Anderson's movies. So, which we'll talk about later when we get to him. But for me, it's it's an excellent story. I mean, there are we can't say it's like. It seems to me every story about some driven, successful person has in it, this person has a weakness. They're they're alone, right? Almost every story that you watch or read about, about a person who becomes like, you know, super successful in whatever they do. They start out on their own. They work, they're working themselves to death to do it. And then someone's introduced into their life 
And then something tragic happens or something bad happens to change their perspective just a little bit to distract them just enough from what they're doing. That it starts to signal not necessarily their downfall, but it, there's always that. There's always those. So it's got those elements. Yeah, and that's another it's thing. It's a classic kind of tale, you know. And that's another thing, how this movie, other Paul Thomas Anderson movies, Magnolia being the specific one, and Punch Drunk Love, they have um, like ebbs and flows about them. They start and they, they start maybe on a little up-tempo note, and then they go really down, and then they go up a bit of hope, and then they go down. Yeah, this the hope. does the same thing. You get thing. a little bit of hope every once in a while that he's not... You feel like going, you're on this. Like, Ooh. that he's not going to go into self-destruct mode, you know, because he's no, charming he a lot. he can hold it together, maybe. Maybe, but then in the very next... He might just... And this is down to Daniel Day-Lewis, too, I think. He can give a look or a, a little split second of something, you're like, oh, crap, okay, so... <laughs> It wasn't really as uh, good news as I thought it was. So that's where I see Paul Thomas Anderson in the movie. It's the pacing, the... Very much about human tragedy and flaws and human And, uh, and lots of things woven together. Even this movie's got quite a... Even though this movie's a bit more focal on one, there's still a lot of Yeah, thing, because you've got there. the history of the oil industry coming weaving in there, because you actually watch that. You've got the the idea of these remote places... Where this industry people have come in and kind of take over these, what are kind of portrayed as simpletons, let's face it. They portray them as just like kind of hicks and they're all religiously brainwashed. And you've got the idea of these faith healers coming up. That was a pretty big time for faith healers and stuff. The, you know, early 1900s was kind of a, where they put up a tent and have a revival. Push the devil out. No, it wasn't Catholic. No, I mean, what what was this church in the... Um, <laughs> it was nothing. It was just a religious sect, you know, just, like... Just something. Christian Didn't thing. Didn't really say. Well... Well, he was saying, let Jesus Christ into the... Yeah, I mean, uh, that's the... But it's not... No, it's not uh, Catholic. Christian. Um, and then there's also, on the other side of that, uh, a man struggling to be a father in the... It, well, not really struggling so much as... I think at one point bumbling. in the movie, yeah... Very mechan- and we don't see a lot of fathering going on, let's be no, honest. No, but it is, because if, when you think of it, he's the only one bringing the boy up. Yeah, only but... He, yeah, he has he no a, help from anybody. But we don't see any of the... We only see... We don't see caretaking or anything like that. No, but, but um, you assume that this kid's yeah. being looked after by somebody. And he won't let anybody... When people ask about it, he's basically... I'm the, I'm the person who looks after the boy. You don't even ask about him. I'm ideal. And there are issues, there are reasons for that, but I don't want to divulge. But there are reasons yeah, exactly. he's extra protective of the kid. And I think that another, the same time that he gives a speech about hating people and how he has got the competition in him and he wants no one to succeed and all that kind of stuff, the Agent Smith moment that I had with him. Um, he also talks about when he was a kid, he there was a house in their town that was big and he wanted to have a family in that house. And even as a boy, he said, I wanted to have children and eat in that house and clean that house. And I think the son coming along and his motivation was kind of that ideal. He wanted to strive for that. So again, you're getting a hint that's in the past, there was some bad shit that's probably happened or gone on, or he's been neglected or abandoned, whatever it is. And he's trying, he's, he's looking for that, but you know, as the tale goes, so, this never happened. So, 
Fantastic. Before we get on to the cast, the movie, from me, fantastic. Fantastic experience. Whatever. And I don't care what anybody says, it's not long enough. I didn't want it to end. I was a little bit like, oh, I could feel the end coming. It's close to three hours, but to me it felt like 25 minutes. Oh, I loved it. it. Now, we are unique. Yeah. Because not everyone's going to think that way. But I actually was totally, I I was having a great time, and I didn't want it to end, except for... I must say, if you've never experienced Paul Thomas Anderson movies at all... (laughs) And you do pick this one up for some reason. You should definitely go back and watch all of. Yeah, but you're saying that. But in all fairness, this is totally different, except for those things you're talking about. He's like evolving into a different kind of. Every film's different, but um, well, yeah, Hard Eight and see, I Hard Eight, Boogie Nights, and Magnolia. They all have all the different storylines crisscrossing with completely different subject matter. I mean, obviously, but but if you like um, Punch Drunk Love. Was a little more focused and yet a similar vibe. A person on the edge, unhinged, but looking for their place in the world. You know, that kind of thing. But it was still... He's definitely evolved. And I... Well, we're going to go on to talking about the director in a minute. Yeah. So, overall, the movie... Fantastic. Must watch for me. Must watch for you. Yes. Fantastic. The best Paul Thomas Anderson film you've seen? I like Punch Drunk Love the best. I'll be I, honest. I like Magnolia and then Punch Drunk Love... And then Boogie Nights and then Hard Eight. No, sorry. You're putting this at the bottom? No, I wouldn't put this at the bottom. I, I've got this still on there. I like Magnolia and then Punch Drunk Love and then this one and then Boogie Nights and then Hard Eight. Wow, Boogie Nights used to be the best. But I love them all. You do. It's you're, hard to put them in and You're uh, one of those uh, hardcore fanatic people about Paul Thomas Anderson. Well, I Little do people know you have a naked poster of him right next to your computer. I, I wish. <laughs> No. Oh, I was just joking. I um, Now I know the truth. I think, personally, he's underrated. He's one of America's leading filmmakers. Now, in t- when people say Martin Scorsese, you know, back further back, I think of our time, he's one of the greatest ones. Martin and- Scorsese isn't dead. No, I know, but now, if I, would, I mean, Martin Scorsese still makes movies, but what I'm saying is people always go, oh, when Raging Bull and, you know, and, um, you know what I'm saying. Yes. Back Godfather. in the day. Yeah, back in the day. Francis Ford Francis Coppola. Coppola. Oh, different okay. ones, though. What I'm saying is different directors like that who everybody knows, and they get, everybody goes, oh, they're the greatest, you know. This guy is today's American filmmaker. Robert Altman, who he dedicates the movie to, by the way. Yes. And Magnolia was inspired by shortcuts. So, but what I'm saying is, he gets he's amazing to me. And he's he not gets noticed very, enough. He gets very little notice. Yeah, even though this won two Oscars, mm-hmm. but not for Paul Thomas Anderson. There's some politicking going on there. There is because Magnolia didn't either. So, or maybe we are just wrong. So let's get on. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. Let's let, well, no, definitely not. No. Let's get onto the cast. Daniel Day Lewis as the crazy oil guy. You write down that exactly. Thing. Daniel Plainview. Yeah, I don't know if he's crazy, but I mean, he's a, he's fantastic. Let's just say that. He and is, I know I don't. Well, I think he's people. fantastic in anything. Uh, since my left foot, gangs of New York. Oh, yeah, he's... I've always found. I him. think though, if uh, an impersonator were to stand up in front of you and do a facial expression of Daniel Day-Lewis, Robert De Niro, you probably couldn't tell him apart. Did you notice that? 
the little mm. squinty eyes and the sort of like little I'm doing it right now. <laughs> it's good though. It is always oh, fantastic. I'm just saying uh, he's, you can, he's distinctive. You and can he's, um, tell a lot when he's not even saying anything. That's and he's the deal. powerful. Like you feel, and I don't think he is. And when he does go off on one. It makes you actually wince in your seat. And recoil. I did. Yeah. I was like, I pulled the blanket up. I was like, oh, God, whatever he's going to do, it's going to be bad. Because he's so reserved the rest uh-huh. of the time. And he's subtle. I was just, you can't really talk about. He won an Oscar. Who's, yeah. So. I don't know that that's a gauge of it. I'm just saying the experience. When I'm watching it, I am totally into it. He into also it. has an incredible mustache. I have a naked poster of him right over here by my computer. Nice. And the plot keywords on uh, IMDb for this movie Ah, mustache and oil. <laughs> now, the mustache on the one guy who comes along, the Henry guy, yeah, and he's eating soup. And That's pretty nasty. <laughs> you know, I'm just grossed out. I mean, he was eating politely, he I was. must say. He was. But every couple of bites, there'd be a little dribble stick his mustache, and I was like, ah! But those were the days Wait, of What are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with that? Save it for later. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, we've got Paul Dano, or Dano. Yeah, I'm not sure. Dano, I will say, as crazy church guy. Mm. Now, wh- where have we seen this guy before? I do not know. That's a good you know, question. Was it? It was really Big good. Love. Um, I don't know. I don't think so. The, he's really good, right? Because he plays this nutbag church religious guy. <laughs> I think he's nutbag, and he does a really good job because he's as intimidating to me as Daniel Day Lewis is, and in an opposite way, sort like, of a weaselly. He's quite a young dude. He puts me in mind of every cult leader that you hear about on the news who drives all these people to suicide or something. You know what I mean? He's like he gives off that really horrible, wretched thing, and the people in the movie are you know love him and there there is congregation, and I think he does an excellent job. But he's, <laughs> here we go. He had the moment Ta-da! of like, ah! okay, I'll tell you who he is, and I was like, oh my god, and you might not remember, but okay, the movie, The Girl Next Door. Yeah. He's Klitz, the one who looks like John Lennon a little bit with the shaggy hair and the glasses. Oh, right. The friend who eventually is in the porno. Right. And he was good in that. Cause is I, that I, all he was in? No, he was been in a lot of things, but that was the one that rang the oh, bell for right. me. He was also in uh, the, the Sopranos in two episodes. Hmm. But that one was a big... Oh, L.I.E. Hmm. Remember that one? Ooh, that was, yeah, that was, a, that was a creepy one. Um, and he was also... Also in Taking Lives. Is I was that, with Angelina Jolie. Yeah, where she lays on the thing. and Yeah, I didn't like that one. Doesn't she lay on a thing all the time? Dun, dun, I <laughs> that's wish. What, that's, what, <laughs> that's what she said. <laughs> and he was also in Little Miss Sunshine, which I've not seen. And Fast Food Nation, which I've not seen. But it's um, clits from The Girl Next Door. But, geez, now I think about it. Oh, yeah, it is him. But, yeah, he was good. He was really good. Like... You say clits, it just rolls right off your tongue. Like, you just say it all the time. <laughs> I am actually called clits. <laughs> so he was name. good. He was actually really good. He was good. really good. And now I know who he is. That's kind of amazing, because I didn't know it was him at and all. And then Kevin J. O'Connor. And the reason I put him as Anonymous Famous, he plays a guy who comes in and says he's the guy's brother and everything. He's one of those guys. As soon as I saw him, I'm like, oh, yeah, I've seen him in tons of stuff. I uh, can't remember what it was, but he's and he did a really good job. He was a little bit creepy and then just kind of peripheral there for a while, but he was he's really good. But he's one of those people that... Who did he play? Uh, Henry. Oh, Henry. Yeah, Henry with the mustache and the soup and the mustache. Yeah. Kind of this weaselly, little weakly, 
Mm, I don't know. Leechy kind of guy. And then I'll move on while you're looking that up to Ciaran Hines. I don't even know if that's how you say his name. He played, uh, he was Caesar in Rome. Was which he? Is, yeah. And he was also the bad guy in uh, Tomb Raider. What was he in this? He was his, the Fletcher guy, like his second right-hand man. The one who oh, was kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. I was thinking who the hell he was. Yeah, that, yeah. yeah I thought you might. Yeah, he that's was what Caesar. I said. Yeah. He's he an, was, is he an English guy? Yes, I believe he is. Yeah, I believe so, yeah. Um, I can't and I, the only reason I mention him is because he's one of those two. Like, you see him and you're like, God, where did I see that guy? And I'd forgotten he was in Rome, but I knew he was, unfortunately. I totally remember him from Rome. Yeah, Rome was the HBO um, miniseries. Well, a BBC slash HBO miniseries. Mm-hmm. Which it was, was really good. pretty good, yeah. Um, uh, Tomb Raider wasn't great. So. Yeah. Not great. Not and, great. And what have you got there? Um, Dylan Frazier. Oh, Dylan Frazier, he was the kid. The little orphan kid. To, Which not is, orphan kid, but that's I mean, a good performance as well. Yes, he did a very good job that in kid, all aspects. That kid has to deal with a lot of a. Yeah, I always have to remember this is a kid, like a a, a two thousand and eight kid. Yeah, he's an actor. He's just a who, kid who has to star in this very serious movie and be in character with Daniel Day Lewis, who's yeah. probably really intense and, and we, really serious. Well, we'll mention it later, but he does a really good job. He's very very good. Of that day, how I see people. He's well behaved. He is restrained. He do- he reacts exactly. You know, there's no like hint of kid actor about him. He's you feel like he's really that kid. So I think he did a really good job. He did. Um, anybody else? There's not many women in the movie. More Thankfully, because a- they're all they're all like you know. It's those, a sausage vest. They're all those women who are like keep their heads down and wear the little dress with the thing buttoned up to their chin and all that. Like, crap. like the Waltons. Well, the Walton women at least had... They spoke. <laughs> <laughs> they had a few lines here and there. Mary Sunday, she was the only girl in this whole movie. I this think is, they talked. This is the oil business. It's a man's work. It's a film. It's not the oil business. What I'm saying, but I understand. in that day, I'm sure it was. It just reminded me of what people have thought uh, are women's role in the, in so, the world. So, while we're on the cast, just before we leave the cast, Kevin J. O'Connor. Mm-hmm. You wanted, yeah. you wanted to know what he was in, right? Yeah. Okay. Please. He was in Van Helsing as I Ego. Really? Oh, yes, he was. Was he? The little handy guy. Don't remember. Um, he was in The Mummy. Great. He was in... What was he in The Mummy? I don't remember. In The Mummy, he was Benny Gabor. Hmm. He was in... <laughs> Wasn't him? He was in Virtuosity. Yeah. As Clyde Riley. He was in... No, he wasn't in much, were we? Do you think people like listening to you look up somebody on the uh, internet? Well, they might, they might be thinking... <laughs> Who's that guy? Who's that, that guy? guy? What was he in? No, he's in, he's in nothing particularly that... But he's in enough that you think you know who he is. Yeah. He was or in Law and Order and stuff like that, but but only one episode, but yeah. So... But he did a fine job. So that's the cast. Everybody did a fine job, I think. I think so. Even absolutely. down to the extras who would. Oh, the, pe- the dudes the who had worked. to do the drills and the, the actual, like, all the big, huge industrial mechanical parts and building stuff that they were just, it was really felt right, you know, like they were really doing it. And it made me feel like, God, that was a hard job. Yeah, it was definitely a hard like, job. Like, really hard Not just work. hard, very dangerous. Oh, yeah. If this movie does anything for you, it Don't will... go down a hole. <laughs> Don't be an oil <laughs> rigger. Yeah, exactly. Um, so... Director Paul Thomas Anderson, we already talked about yeah. him. 
I'm sure you could endlessly, but we've we've covered it. Okay, I'll just put it down in a nutshell. Genius, <laughs> greatest American filmmaker of this time. Of this century so far? Yeah, let's say. Well, this uh, is the only movie he's made this century, right? Yeah, well, <laughs> and if you've not caught his work, you should. If you like movies, I agree completely. You should catch it, all of them. I think that if you're one of those, I don't know, you know how people are. Some people are idiots and they'd be like, they don't get it. They don't like, because his pacing and his the flow of his stories are different than yeah, your it's, standard. Yeah, it's not a... Um, it's not commercial. If yeah, that's it's not, dude, where's your car or something like it's that. It's a bit, it's <laughs> kind of art house, as they say, but... Art house, but with big budgets, you know, it's an interesting competition. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he has certain sensibilities. It's all about the characters, and a lot of people don't... And the dialogue. And it's not, everything isn't laid out for you in his movies. He doesn't just explain everything away. A lot of it is in their behavior, and in he actually uses, like, the long shots and the slow, and the quiet moments... To further his story and stuff, and people, He's, some people don't get that. In every movie, he has used music and certain types of shots to convey. I think all of them, even even Hard Eight, which is like a student film almost. Yeah, I agree. There's a you'll you'll see it all the way through. Music, especially, he loves to. In in fact, in Magnolia, he even gets the entire cast to sing a song. Yeah, <laughs> which is a interesting. You won't understand it until you see it. But exactly. Um. So, the director of photography I, I want to speak about. Okay. For a second. <laughs> but that's not in the outline. It isn't. Uh, I've, as I turn around and look at my monitor, which is conveniently placed directly behind me, uh, I don't see that on there anywhere. So The next thing on the item list is not that. It's so, just what's actually... the... Um, what's the... Oh, we have like we You know, like we have a six degrees of separation or whatever. Uh-huh. There's, there's a separation from last week's show to this one. What is it? A uh, director of photography? Cinematography? <laughs> DP? <laughs> Only because you just mentioned it. I'm assuming this guy did that last, well, did uh, Michael Clayton. The DP, well. Robert Ellswit, won the Oscar for the de- for the photography in this There Will Be Blood, actually. Um, yeah. And he's done every other Paul Thomas Anderson movie. And he was and the DP. Let's so. just think about that for a minute. Maybe he's the genius behind the camera. Well, he's the genius of how things look, I guess. But okay. um, That's what she said. And he also directed Michael Clayton, and he also is directing... What was that movie? He didn't direct it. I mean, he he also was the director of photography. And he's also the director of photography for Duplicity. Coming up. That's another Gilroy. Multiplicity. (laughs) It's not. (laughs) Don't tell people tough information. Okay, so that's everything there. Okay, let's get on to the DVD itself. Now, there's two editions of the DVD. There's a single disc edition. Where you get the movie. And, and that's fine for some people. And there's the super duper two disc collector's edition for people like me who like Paul Thomas. And the reason it's a two disc special is because it's just a DVD and to squeeze the movie onto one disc. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Paul Thomas Anderson is a stickler for detail, so I don't think he would have allowed. Um, I yeah. don't think. He, I, I think he wouldn't like the extras on the disc with the movie. So um, we'll go see as we talked about the cover last week. Of a DVD. Do I have to write about it still if we talk about it? Yes. So, what do you think of um, this uh, little package? It's lovely. Looks like an old journal. Do you want to explain it to the... uh... It looks like an old journal. (laughs) It's cardboard. It's got an extra cover. And it is... uh, The outside of it looks like an old bound leather journal. And on the inside, it's got a 
picture from a scene in the movie. Yeah, nice. Uh, and the discs slip in it. So it's kind of different packaging, but... Um, and then the DVD boxes got an image from the movie on it, and that's, that's it. Pretty cool kind of image. a black and white with the old old style writing. Yeah. What's it called? Ancients? <laughs> As my nephew calligraphy. called it when he was about four years old. It's like calligraphy, yeah, but he calls it ancients. I'm, I'm not sure why. <laughs> okay. So here's something where I'm conflicted here, right? So we get a whole disc full of extras, which is around... It's about 55 minutes of extras, which isn't a lot. No. But... These are some real choice, some good extras, but I wanted a bit more. I wanted interviews with Paul Thomas Anderson. I wanted some on-the-set stuff, which didn't happen. I would like to commentary. Didn't happen. Now, Paul Thomas Anderson doesn't do this kind of stuff on any of his DVDs. I'm not sure why. And I have to disagree with you on that. Because I actually feel like what I wanted to know about the movie I got from the extra, that one about the history of petroleum, is on there. Well, let's cover that one first. Uh, Okay, the the story of petroleum (laughs) is the last extra, which we were going to cover last. We'll cover it first. But it's a... It's an actual movie from 1923, a silent movie. It's not a movie. It is a promotional movie. It's not a... It's not a... It's not a, Well, it, it is a movie. I mean, it's a. It's made by petroleum companies, oil companies, to promote the petroleum business. It's not like a movie It says movie. it, yeah, it says, a black and white silent movie chronicling the oil business in the 1920s, which is exactly what it is. And I learned stuff I didn't know before. I'm assuming the process is still very similar, how they take crude oil from the ground and turn it into gasoline and kerosene and now, sewing machine oil, all that stuff. It is really detailed. Really good. For, for a silent movie. It's not exactly silent because the music by Johnny Greenwood is over the top of it. And there are text plates you yeah, know, throughout te- to explain stuff. But it is really good. It's detailed and it looks good for its Oh, it looks amazing it's for as old as it is. and on. Yeah. I mean, we were looking at nine feet wide. And, and it, it still but looks it, And high. it's that kind of old... It's old with the, all the grain in it and the I think wonky. people get it. It's in the 20s. But it looks really good. <laughs> it, it's, it's not like made now to look like So it's when they the show you like a um, drill... You can see every bolt on it. I mean, I was trying to, oh, yeah. The, and then when you see there will be blood, you're like, oh, my God, this is so accurate. It was. Like, yeah, it was. <laughs> you know, the, he tried to. So I guess that movie, well, in fact, this silent movie that we watched, some of the shots in it are duplicated in the movie, but by him. Yeah, you know? remade. Yeah. So Recreated. I think that was the best extra, to be honest. It was fantastic. So other extras are, the first extra is called 15 Minutes. Picks, research, etc. for the making of There Will Be Blood. It's kind of like a scrapbook of research that then, Paul Thomas Anderson has took before making the movie. Um, photographs of old oil workers, photographs of machinery, interspersed with cuts from the movie where they the pieces of machinery that were inspired fit in the by movie. that. Yeah, exactly. And with that's good with too. music over the top, and it it's a nice pace, and you kind of go, oh wow, look at that, you know, and then it shows you a real. Shows you a real oil, what they call it, a gusher, where it gushes out. Yeah, and then it shows you a real one, and then it shows you it in the movie. And I mean, everything looks. Yeah, because like it you, you know, I mean, I'm as much as I'm a huge skeptic about everything. So when I'm watching anything in a movie, I'm assuming it's been cranked up, turned up, multiplied by fifty. They're doing this for the look, for the style, for the art, for the wow factor. They're really not in this one. But no, it really took... I mean, there were a few things, but still, you have to imagine in real life, some of these things, when they happen, they really... It did... I think it did a fine job remaking those moments. And we've got a couple of trailers, the teaser trailer and the theatrical trailer. Which I I never saw any of them ever. No, I never saw them. And this actual movie never came to our theatres. That's why we didn't see it. 
We live in a stupid town. Yeah. Stupid middle of America. Stupid town. Oh, my God. I'm not saying that. I'm saying our theater, the people who own our theater, and I know you're listening, you're dickheads. Because your theater smells like piss, and it's always a little bit sweaty and cold at the same time. I'm not sure how they do that. Like, high moisture, but it's cold. And you have, like, 14-year-olds running the place, and there's, like, one little nerdy guy roaming around. It's just And you horrible. don't show good movies like that. Exactly. People. And when they do, okay, we've got, like, the eight, right? It's got the eight theaters in it, and they're a little bit bigger. And oh, they're, Cloverfield They're a little a less example. stinky, but they're still crappy. And then there's the four, which have been in the mall since 1942. I don't know. And 19. Their, and they're horrible. Their projectors cost less than mowers. Yeah, they're horrible. <laughs> the sound is horrible. The picture, the screens have tears in them and stuff. And that's where they put the big movies. Yep. It's just disgusting. So, we didn't even get this one here. That was my own little tangent. No, but we got to see it. And <laughs> we got to see it all. Um, two uh, deleted scenes. The fishing sequence. Mm-hmm. And the haircut. They weren't fishing like re- fishing. No, 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 no. They were fishing Let's down in a, a well. If the rope gets broken down beneath with all the mining tools and it collapses, then they have this great big giant hook thing that they... And this is real. That they shove way down in the mine and they keep pulling it up. Is it a mine? Yes. Okay. Keep pulling it up and trying to snag the rope that got broke. And it, and they can't go on and keep working until they do this. Now, I really like this deleted scene. I did too. Where he's talking to the guy. I did feel... I was thinking of it back in the movie. And how this scene is... Well, like you just said, it's ex- it's showing how they do fishing. And how it's explained is the little girl comes up. And asks what's happening here. A little girl comes up and says, "What, what are they doing?" And and the guy explains fishing in detail with clips of it happening. Feels a bit heavy-handed, not like Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah, exactly. So that then I did think, yeah, this doesn't really fit because he wouldn't explain it like that. It, I mean, it was too explained. It was scientific almost. The guy was telling. Yeah, you. and at that point in the movie, when this when you get the idea that this is when it's happened, you've already seen enough disasters. You've mm. already seen enough breakdowns. That if they were to do another breakdown and then a little silent sequence of them fishing it out, it would have been... Because it's almost bit. like montage Yeah. And, with a guy's yeah. voice. But it does have a brilliant payoff at the end. This whole scene. Which I would have liked to have seen in the movie. Which the, was? The brilliant payoff of Daniel Day-Lewis sitting oh. down, the old, the father coming sitting next to him and saying how he's... What? He's... He disappointed if he would him. let the son bless the well, none of these bad... Well, I keep calling it different things. Oil well, I <laughs> yeah. guess, is the name. For yeah. If he let his son, the creepy Preacher church guy, guy, bless it, then it would be... He wouldn't have to be fishing. Yeah. And as soon as he says that, they, they, find, fi- they find They it. find the thing. And, he, and none fine. of that's in the movie. And he gives that that old guy a good speech, too. And it's kind of like to the... Danadellus turns to the old guy and it's... it's all, it, He doesn't say fuck you, but that's what he's saying. Yeah, Just exactly. fuck off. Go away. Don't speak to me. Stay where you yeah, are. Yeah, there is no language in this movie. No, no language. It's actually interesting because it's an R-rated movie. But, but for mild violence, it's None of it felt R-rated. Like, there, there is some scenes where are a bit violent. But I wouldn't... I've, I would let a teenager see it. No problem. Definitely. Because it's historical. And I'd, it's, let Aust- I'd let my nephew see it. And there's I- nothing sexy or anything, really. And it's quite... You'll learn a bit about but there is the oil a, business. When the violence happens, day. it's it's like, ugh, yeah. You want to cover your eyes And Daniel Day-Lewis' character is scary in a way. And it 
maybe kids wouldn't be able to it's deal with what he's going to do. Like. Yeah, you can't say there's lots of blood and guts. You can't say there's, no. it's just a weird, scary kind of feeling. And it, it's called There Will Be Blood, so it sets the tone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of lets you know yeah. there's going to be blood. Maybe. No, that is a good... It, it, the fishing sequence is good, but I think in the movie it might have felt wrong, and that's why it came out. I can imagine it didn't feel like the rest of it. Mm. Now, the other sequence is called Haircut. Mm-hmm. Where it's Daniel Day Lewis and his little son giving him a haircut, and there's kind a of a bit too, of an outtake in there, and it's a little bit too familiar, and it, it makes him he giggles a little. And Daniel Day Lewis, yeah, it wasn't appropriate. It was a little too intimate Daniel and nice. Daniel Day Lewis says it, it, that was my fault. Yeah, and that was and a little close. Yeah, I think it was. Uh, and interrupted him. That that sequence is called haircut slash interrupted him. And it, they're both good sequences. Um. They're all finished off and everything, too. They're not, like, dailies, you know what I mean? They. And then there's a sequence called Dailies Gone Wild, which was... That's at the end when he continues in the restaurant, and after he's already sat back down yeah. from... Then he puts the towel on his head, and I think that was unscripted. That's why at the end of that, the little boy breaks up laughing, because yeah, yeah. he's like, oh, crap, when it's, are we stopping? It's actually a good performance. As but well. it's like Paul Thomas Anderson's in the background just going like, Carry on going. just go on. Just and then he on. cracks up at the end. Yeah. <laughs> but that's it for extras. So it's, it's a two And you know what? I'm happy with that. Now, I'd like to a, a director or a Daniel Day-Lewis commentary, or both. I wouldn't, because I See, like I the illusion of it, what it is. I want to know everything about this movie now. <laughs> and I, and all my Paul Thomas Anderson DVDs. So, Paul Thomas, we know you're listening. I have been you need to call a little up. disappointed with. Paul's got some good. Uh, my in Paul terms has of some he, questions for you. In terms of he's in, he never does a commentary. I would really like to hear him speak. He did, he did a commentary on Boogie Nights, but none of the others. Boogie Nights. Won't you take me to I like the way, town? I like the way you say boogie. Because, well, uh, you know, you're not American. Boogie, woogie, woogie. So we don't say boogie. It's uh We say boogie. Yep. Well, boogie. I. But boogie is better. Boogie's cool. <laughs> I just can't say it without laughing. Boogie okay, so um, that is There Will Be Blood. <laughs> and if there was any movie you should buy on DVD, there it is. That's a good one. Yes, definitely. Buy it and... Or, I imagine the Blu-ray disc will be coming in a couple of months when Paramount um, get round to releasing Blu-ray discs again. And I I can't wait. If you've got Netflix, I will watch it again. When the I recommend put it on your queue or your list online, or watch it online, or you know get it. It's a good. It's good. As soon it's as good. the Blu-ray disc comes, I'm watching it again. And I'm not telling people what to do, right? But don't like sit down to watch it and then have like ten things going on and talk on the phone or anything else. No, you need to be uh, either watch focused. it, focus, or don't watch it. <laughs> so and I'll know. I'll know. I'm watching you. <laughs> I'm and inside your television. <laughs> okay, so that's that's the movie. Yep. And what a great movie. And yeah, there we go. New contest. Well, it's not a new contest. It's last week's contest. But if you want to win one of two copies of In the Name of the King, you have to answer that's this. That's a DVD. You have to answer this question. It's Name. from our... Oh, hold on a second. It, I just want to do the uh, plug. It's it, from our friends at Fox DVD. Oh, right. So... The question is, name two... Other U ball video game based movies. And here's a clue. One of them isn't Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> are you sure? Correct yes. <laughs> correct. <laughs> correct. You are correct. <laughs> okay, so uh this seems to be 
becoming a regular segment, the What Are We Playing yeah. This Week in Video Games. What, and should we give this a name, this, this segment? What are we playing? What are we playing? Where are we playing? Uh, I don't know. We'll think about that for next week. But I'd like to say the uh, the opening, it's sort of paying homage. And I have to say this, you may not think of it this way, but I've been listening to a little podcast, or a big podcast by now probably, called CAG Foreplay. It's got a married couple who talk about the new releases of video games for that week. Never heard of it. <laughs> you are a liar, sir. You are a liar and a scoundrel. And uh, they talk about game. That's all their podcast is, is, you know, a man and, and a wife. And we're, we're not a video game podcast. No, Let's no. get it straight. But, but movies and video games them. is what we do all the time. And it just kind of, oh, no. Correct. He bumped the microphone. <laughs> so I don't know what we're going to call it, but I'd like to nod to them and say I've been started at the beginning of theirs, and I'm on number six. And these are movies that were out last year. So, I, I mean, games. So I just like the way they... Okay, so this week, playing video games, me, Dark Sector on the Xbox 360. What did you think of... You've seen Dark Sector. What did you think Looks of it? Looks good. What, I what watched you... it for like two minutes. You did? So... Well, I felt like that thing you throw is a little slow for me. I don't like the boomerang effect. It's the glaive. You gotta throw it and wait and throw it and wait. Yeah, but I've also got a gun. Yeah, but I never saw the gun. No, well, you use both at once. So I'm like, he's playing with a boomerang that's on fire. Doesn't It looks a little bit sluggish, but it looks good. <laughs> I was playing with a boomerang on fire. Any, anyway, Dark Sector, <laughs> the story's a bit like I was saying to you. It's a bit... There's a chemical weapon spill, something. This is as far He's as He's being morphed into some kind of something. He else. gets injured in it, and then something's infecting him. And we, I don't know yet because I'm not at the end. I'm about three levels away from the end. But his arm has started to mutate into something that's powerful. And he can... So as you were saying, it's not an original concept. And they're trying to use Gears of War, like you said, the, the atmosphere. It looks like Gears of War. And then combine it with this idea that there are mad scientists in the world, or government conspiracy scientists, yep. and they're making some kind It's just of... like every other video game, really. Every other video game. Yeah, Pac-Man, same thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, so it's it looks really cool. Like The graphics are brilliant. I think the game's a bit generic. Hmm. It's kind of fun in parts, and then it's a bit frustrating sometimes because you don't know what the hell you're supposed to do. Like me trying to kill that boss, I had to actually look it up with the boomerang because I had no idea. I, I kind of had an idea of how to do it, but the last little part just didn't you have know to catch it. it on fire. Then you have to electrify it, and you have to yeah. throw it and catch it, and throw it and catch it, and then jump in it. Oh, that's right. That's the part I didn't know. But like on aliens, I like the game, but it's not entirely fun. There's something that makes it not. 100% fun. So, I don't know. I would... What did you say? 80% fun? 70? About 70. <laughs> and then another game I've been playing on the PSP is Final Fantasy VII Crisis Core, which is the next installment... Well, it's the prequel... FF7CC? It's the, it's the prequel <laughs> to Final Fantasy VII. And I... it's not entirely like every other Final Fantasy game because it's, kind of, it's made specifically for a handheld, so it's an action game. It's not turn-based. It's kind of like a cross between Kingdom Hearts and Final Fantasy. So it's real-time? Mm-hmm. Well, it's Fire. kind of real-time, but it you pick stuff off a menu as well. But if you want to get out of the way of an attack, you actually move out of the way. You so don't. like that latest Final Fantasy that actually played, where you mix... It was combined. It's more like Kingdom Hearts than anything. If you... Like... Mm. You, 
you know, with Kingdom Hearts, where you actually have to run up to them, press the button to yes. kill them, but you also have to pick your spells from a menu while you... That, it's like that. Uh, it's actually directed by one of the Kingdom Hearts guys as do well. Do you like it? Yes, I do. I really do like it. It's, and um, let's just point out uh, why you played it for an extended period of time last night was because our electricity went off. And so you went and laid in bed with your little PSP and uh, got a little cozied in there while I was at work. And I'd and also been playing it all week. I've probably got about 15 hours on it now. Nice. It's a 50-hour game, they're saying. There's lots of little missions in it, which is really cool. You can go to this... There's the main storyline, and then there's also these like terminals that you can go up to. And you click them, and there's these tiny little missions, and they're all about three or four minutes each. So if you're on the go, oh, right. they're perfect for that. So you do one, and then you save. There's always a save straight after it. Not while you're driving. Yeah, while you're driving, or surfboarding, <laughs> or skiing. But while you're at work. If you love Final Fantasy, it's the prequel to Final Fantasy VII. It happens about... Well, it's the lead-up to the beginning of Final Fantasy VII. And that's the most beloved one of the lot. So this is pretty cool. You get to meet all the characters from Final Fantasy right. VII. I don't know. I've never Including the ones that died in Final Fantasy VII. So it's kind <gasps> of... You're telling people somebody died in the game? Well, everybody knows Final <laughs> Fantasy VII. Um, Not me. And then the third the game the sword. I've been playing this week, and this is the final one, is Ninja Gaiden Dragon Sword, which I noticed something interesting. You did. Uh, I'm not... Well, if you say Ninja Gaiden Dragon Sword, and then you take away the Ragon Ward, or the Ragon Word, <laughs> it's Ninja Gaiden DS, and that happens to be the platform that it is on. Now, this is a full-on Ninja Gaiden game. I feel like I'm living in a puzzle game. You, you just are. figured out a puzzle. It's a full-on Ninja Gaiden game on the Nintendo DS. You hold the DS like a book, like a Brain Age, you know, instead of... Yes. These people might vertical instead of horizontal. It vertically, so you've got a screen on the right and a screen on the left, and everything is controlled by the stylus. You move the character by pointing to where you want him to go, and to do mo- to do moves like slicing with your sword, you slice the screen with your stylus. And different, if you go up down, he'll do a up and down slice. Everything is controlled with the stylus. I like stylus. And special moves like a fireball, you have to trace a shape on the screen with your stylus to set it off. It's, it really works well. I thought it was going to be awkward, but it's not. Um, I can't recommend that one enough. It's good. Really good. Excellent. In fact, it's been a great portable game time. Because what are you playing? I finished Professor Layton in the Crooked Town. <laughs> or Curious, curious Village. village. <laughs> I just call it Crooked. Because there's a Crooked Tower thing in it. That's why I think Crooked. So I finished it. I didn't get all the puzzles done. Uh, I finished it one day when I was really tired... And then I think I must have shut it. I mean, I went through the whole end. Then the battery died, so when I open it, I'm all excited. Like, hey, I'm done. I can go back through the village. And I had to redo the whole end again. So, but it was fun. And, I, you know, I've you keep asking me if I've downloaded the new puzzles. And the thing is, in the beginning, I didn't like the story part. But by the end of it, the story part was part of it. And now just going in to do individual puzzles, I'm, I'm needing to find a little bit of motivation. But sure, it's fun just to pick a puzzle it is. and do one when you're bored on the toilet. It is. I have a laptop in the toilet. Now, Professor Layton, I learned something doing a little bit of research this week, that the sequel is already out in Japan. Hey. And it's being localized, so we're likely to get local. it... We're likely to get it before November. It's for the local people. And it's going to be called 
Professor Layton and Pandora's box. And that's he's, that's not a cheap hooker that he's. I was gonna say that's pornographic. <laughs> that's all right. I mean, hey, you know. But yeah, there's a sequel coming, and it's in the same vein, and it's actually part of a trilogy. You've got to run out of puzzles someday, don't you think? No, oh. there's a billion puzzles in the world. Um, it was good. I recommend it to anybody like me who likes to pick up the game every once in a get a little game if you have a DS. And I've been using your little wimpy DS, which I prefer my big chunky one, but. No offense. You mean the D- you have the DS Fat and I have the DS Light. <laughs> yeah. Fat with a P. P-H-A-T. <laughs> yeah. I like the curves and the roundness. And the very dim screen. Well, whatever. <laughs> I'm retro. I like old things. So that's games for this week. <laughs> um, and Grand Theft Auto 4 is only uh, four weeks away. And the Really? New- you hadn't mentioned that? I didn't even know. And the new trailer for, for Grand Theft Auto 4 came out this week. If you've not checked it out, it's on. <laughs> it's everywhere at the moment. Um, and on oh the my, internet, you mean? Oh my god, it looks good. <laughs> um, that's it for games. Have you got any other news? Um, just that I'm revamping my side a little bit, changing a few things around, change the colors a little bit. I'm adding more stuff. So feel free to go there and tell me if you think it sucks or what's, if you like it. What site is it? SidTalk.com, which is C-I-D-T-A-L-K dot C-O-M. <laughs> and I'm <clears throat> ascully.com. And you, we've kind of figured out this week that www is just old school. Yeah. You don't even have to ever put www into the Unless browser. Unless you just want to say www. So, if you're ever typing in a URL, just drop the www. You'll still get that. Drop it all. Just type the thing itself. And we're, our podcast is available on iTunes, Zoom Marketplace, and we have an RSS feed. And, which is something I always forget to mention, you can also listen to it directly from the webpage. Yeah, exactly. Ascoli.com. Just go ascoli.com and up on the top is a little button called podcast Click and on labeled podcast and each one has a little play button now when you press play you do have to wait for it to come in so it takes maybe 30 seconds well depending on what your connection is might take a minute and then it will start playing and then as long as you don't leave that page you'll hear you can listen to them all there all 11 of them um and if you're going around the room asking for anything else i'd just like to say that i love tabbed browsing yeah, and I like, any because at work we never had it until like two days ago, and I, it was really frustrating because not that we're supposed to go on the internet when we're at work, but <clears throat> some of us do, and I'll have like two or three things I want to do at once, and I've got like four or five, and we only have Internet Explorer, and I always have tons of them open, and it's really irritating. And then for some reason, two machines this week got updated, and I was like, I don't even care if you think IE sucks. If that's all I got, that's all I got, and I was just like, yes. Well, I'd, I'd I I'd also it. like to say if you're into tab browsing. And you're into Firefox. The mm. Firefox 3.0 Beta 4 is available now. It's it's still beta, but it's beta beta. But yeah. it is totally stable. I've been using it for two weeks and it's been perfectly fine. And it's quite improved over Firefox 2, which a lot of people will still be using. You can get it on Firefox's site. And apparently the next release will be the final, so everybody will be using I'm it. I'm just soon. saying that as a, as a little side note for people. Yeah. Do, well, the, I'm do saying, like their computer. I do recommend um, Firefox 3. It's really good. It's fast. And then Internet Explorer 8 also has a beta available. But I haven't bothered looking at it. Because I don't care. Good I'm not idea. biased. That's what she said. Okay, so that's the end of the podcast. It is. Uh, I want to say um, 
Thank you for listening. No, I, I don't care if they listen or not. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> you just lost three whole people. Three no. out of 12 people. Don't. No, really, seriously. It's uh, I've been listening to, like I said, the shipwrecks, which is what this couple is called, a Mr. and Mrs. Shipwreck. And actually listening to, well, you know, I listened to five in a row in, like, two nights. So I think that it's like listening to talk radio kind of in a way. It's got a comfort thing to it. And when you find somebody you really like, it's, I love it. I love to know that people out there listening. Or, or if you hate us, let us know. Send uh, some feedback to acegoalie at acegoalie.com. And I want to say um, stay classy, Paul Thomas Anderson, and I can't wait to see what you're going to bring us next. And do you want to say? Don't forget to think for yourself, because if you don't, somebody else will do it for you. <laughs>